Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. Today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Derek Spears, and Derek is a respected national speaker, inspiring entrepreneur, a critically acclaimed screenwriter and author of over 100 books, which is just amazing. And he is an industry notable songwriter with titles having appeared on the Grammy Ballad. Derek, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you, Keisha. I am, I'm ecstatic to be here. It's amazing, you know, this topic that we're going to be discussing, you know, the topic of the pay gap for Black creators, kind of delving deep into that. And it's such an important topic. And Derek, your creativity is unbelievable. Let's talk about this pay gap. What do you think are the reasons for this? What can we do about this? So let's start with why you think this pay gap exists. I think it stems back from just a long way, you know, um, from years ago, you know, especially with the, within the Black community and the Blacks of our work being looked at maybe as subpar or looked at as not superior to maybe, you know, over the years, our white counterparts or whatnot. And I think that a lot of times that fabric is woven inside of the industries that we go into, um, whether it be in the movie industry, maybe the music industry uh, for years and back in, back in, you know, 50s, 60s, where the, the, the artists weren't, where had he had he had hard time just even having their face on the cover, <laughs> just be selling their own music, you know. So it was more like we get to this day and age, and it's like, yeah, it's increased in some ways, but we still don't get our just due. And I think that's why that that still exists because of the the attitude in America. Still, I really look at it as you know, there there are different ways to kind of close that gap, and I, yeah. I, I myself you know, being a creator, because you want, when you create something, you want people to give you, you know, what, what you value, you know what I mean? Your work to be. <laughs> I first thought that, you know, I've always been big on owning, you know, owning my work or owning your work, because when you own something, you're able to set your, your prices. You know what I mean? You're able to set it, your products, your services, your works, you're able to set that and control that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Especially when you become a person of interest, you know, when, when people look at a Tyler Perry and they're like, oh, they got to come to him, him with respect. You know, he owns it. You know, you got to come yeah. to him with respect. Like, OK, well, if I want this, hey, well, he owns it. So and I think ownership in America for for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, for centuries is like they we haven't owned a lot of things. And for us to own it, we're able to be be stronger in the game. No, for sure. And you mentioned something just at the outset in your response, and that's our work not given due attention and recognition and not seen as quite matching up, which is that's the perception, not that it is. And I have to make that very clear because in a lot of ways, it's not the case. And so I wanted to get your views on that, too, especially as a writer who's published over 100 books. And I mean, that in itself 
is just a feat. And you mentioned owning your own work. And I know you've self-published a lot of your books as well. Yes. Can you tell, I, tell us about your experience with that? Growing up, I always wanted to um, own everything. Like, I don't know if it stemmed from me having brothers and sisters that we had to fight for everything. And so as a writer, my notebook to me is like, was most my most valuable asset. Like that's my words. That's everything that I embody and I, it's my stories and words and this and that. So when I started publishing, I, I was like, I got to own all of my stuff and I own my catalog. I just did the work. You know, I was like, I want to own it, copyright it, trademark my business, all of this stuff. I was like, I want to make sure that it's mine. And sometimes in the beginning, you got to put, you got to invest in yourself. You got to put a lot of money out to, you know, trademark and get lawyers. You got to make sure that you're, you're safe because it's your work, you know? And I looked at it as a, as far as, you know, when you look at people who value, um, I was reading a Warren Buffett book and when they, when they buy something, they actually look 20 years down the line of how much it's going to be worth versus at that moment. Uh, So sometimes that's how they value things. And I was like, well, my works, I'm so confident that my works are going to be worth so much. I want to own it now. So I see if I write a book, I see that 10 years from now, I'm going to turn it into a movie. That movie could be just as big as any any movie out there. So if I want to own it, you know what I mean? I want to make sure that I I see it that far out. And that's why my whole catalog, I made sure I owned it. Mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to go into to schools, which I do go into schools, go into, you know, universities, even prisons and be able to sell them my work, you know, directly from myself instead of somebody else coming in. I represent you or, you know, the fast mouth hustlers and they get, they take half of your money, you know, yeah. and, because they will. Some people will see your value and if you don't see your own yeah. value. And, you know, like Mike Tyson lost a lot of money, you know, but his promoter, he, he was making a lot of money. You know, so it's people like those guys, those things, they'll see your talent and they'll make money off of you. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to invest and I'm going to make money off my own self. So yeah. my writings were my products and, and my stocks and bonds. That's how I look at it. So, Derek, for those who are listening in and we're wondering, how do we close this pay gap? I mean, what are some personal strategies that black creators can use? Like you've written over 100 books. Like, should we be focusing on volume? And of course, the quality has to be there. But I'm wondering, you know, to close the pay gap, it means that for individuals, (laughs) you know, it means really taking it in your hands and really go above and beyond in terms of you do. You know, yeah, in terms of your products and and how you get that money in. So I would love to hear your experience with that. When I first started out publishing books, and I want to also give advice for for people out there who, if they they are into book writing or anything, or, you know, buying your own ISBN numbers allows you to, you know, when you publish it, especially if you're going to self-publish, it allows you to be able to go anywhere with them. If you want to go sell them to a store in, um, in Europe or any, you can go anywhere with your own, you know, that's part of owning it. And what I looked at was the way to close the gap is, first of all, when you make all, whatever you do, whether it's music, whether it's film, whether knowing your worth, you have to build, you have to show your worth as well. Sometimes you may have to give samples, this and that. Your work will speak for itself. Then you're able to ask. And I have one of my things is ask. Closed mouths don't get fed. A lot of times you have to be able to ask for the price that you are. I have a I have a quote in my store that says, know your worth, then add tax. 
<laughs> so being able to work smarter also and harder is you have to know that you can't miss any steps. You yeah. got to go through all the steps. I had to go through all the steps. And what I meant by that is no one was sometimes people weren't going to tell you exactly what to go do. So I had to learn how to copyright. I had to learn how to trademark and then go into international trademark. And now I'm into international exporting where I'm exporting books into different countries, you know, and, uh-huh. you know, I'm the, I'm the seller. And, and the more books I had when I created my store, I was like, well, you know what? I want to have a book in and every category they asked me. And the difference between my book and their book is me. So yeah. when, you're, when you're selling yourself, most of the time people don't understand you're selling yourself a lot of times. First, if you're going into these buildings and you're building these relationships, you're selling yourself. So if they're like, okay, this is an entrepreneur book, entrepreneurship book, and we need one for our schools. Of course, there's other entrepreneurship books out there. But hey, I like Derek and right. I like he comes in. I, I want to check out his entrepreneurship book, yeah. his perspective. So that's how I am still able to go into schools or areas and, and sell books because I go in maybe and speak to students, talk to the principals, other people, and they get to know who I am. And then they're like, oh, well, I want to check out his. You know what I mean? So I think working harder and smarter and establishing yourself in your industry as a person, a likable person or somebody who, who produces great work and returns emails and return phone calls. You got to do those little things too. Uh-huh. You give respect, you get respect. Your work quality speaks for itself. You're on time for meetings. You know, all those different things still work. And great entrepreneurs, they find out what the gap is. Yeah. So sometimes there's something in there that you, you know, you might find a problem in your industry and say, hey, well, I'm going to offer a solution. And by finding that solution, uh, other people don't have that. You know, that solution that you have, you have a unique spin on it. And then you're able to demand more money. They say Angela um, Bassett is like the highest paid African-American woman now. And, and you know, she's been around for many years, you know, mm-hmm. and respected. I, when I hear her name, I just all I automatically think respect, you know. So but that's also some of the things that I give advice to people that, you know, just because you have a good product in your eyes, doesn't mean that someone else is going to value it that way. You know, it's so amazing. Like I'm looking through some of your titles and it's unbelievable the depth and breadth of work that you have. And, you know, it just begs the question, Derek, like how do you do this in terms of your level of productivity? You've managed to really set this bar so high in terms of your collections and over 15 genres of books, you know, in different categories and music. How can creators really manage their time effectively to be able to pump out a body of work that they can really earn from and benefit from? Because like we know as authors, right, like you need you definitely need more than one, two, three titles. You need a backlog of work. You need a, a backlist so that, as you said, you know, once people get to know you and and like your work, they can start just literally just buying your work and across different genres and across different interests and different age groups. So, Derek, how can creators you, you know, manage know. their time and, and different strategies for pumping out this type of work? I knew I got my gift from God and I was I was very young and I used to be the guy who, who always is writing. I never saw myself owning a store or whatever I have accomplished now. It was just like I started writing and I loved to write and I love to do music and I love to just, I did, I went to, when I first came into, I went to Marquette University as a freshman. I was, I was in the theater class. I was the only black kid in the theater uh, major. And um, wow. <laughs> so I was really into arts and yeah. 
the way I saw the world. And I just was like, I would always write on my notebook, century work. And I always told myself when I was young, I wanted to, to leave when I die a, a century worth of work. You know, like yeah. I wanted to be the guy you could just, he has so much works, but I have so many ideas and experiences that I went through in life. And a lot of times what in, inspires me is life. So I could be in a store and someone could just come up and just, Going to me and say, hey, how you doing? So we can have a conversation. It just sparked an idea. And what I don't do is I don't allow boundaries in my work. So I dream what I say. I dream without margins, you know, and I I, put, I don't put margins in my work. I say, hey, I'm going to think of something and I'm just going to do it. A lot of times we get contaminated by other people's works. Yeah. And I think you should stay in your lane and really focus on the talents you have and not be afraid. A lot of times I, I also help writers writing published books. So I do ghostwriting and stuff for people. And so a lot of times they're scared. They don't want to put a book out. They don't want to, they're automatically, oh, I don't want to think anyone's going to read it. I don't want people to read. So they automatically, they have that fear. Yeah. I eliminated fear. And I said, you know, the way I started my store was very interesting. I was a stay at home dad for 10 years and I was depressed, stressed. My oldest daughter is autistic. And yeah. I, I, I would, I, I actually lost a lot of creative energy during that time period. We had therapists coming in the house 40 hours a week. So my first expression was music. I would just put out music there on YouTube and I had a website, I put that out. And then I would get it, I got invited to New York to come perform. So I was like, okay, I took the little opportunities. Yeah. And then by the time I was done, I was sitting in a room. This is a true story. But I was talking to God. I'm like, well, what am I going to do now that I got to re-enter the world? Mm-hmm. Um, as I got all three of my daughters into school full time. And then I heard a voice. It just says, open up a store where you wrote all the books. And I began laughing. Wow. And I was like, I never, <laughs> ever heard that. I've never, first of all, I was like, I've never heard of a, a story like that before, but they didn't fit my character because I, I, like I said, I dream without margin. So I was like, okay, let me try it. And I thought that it was going to be a joke. I thought people were going to just like laugh. I was opening it up and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to open up a store where I wrote all the books. And everybody was just looking like, what? But once I did it, it had like a, an effect that was like, whoa, people were like, oh, my God, I've never, ever seen or heard of this before. This anything like so when people come into my store, it makes me smile because they're like, you did all of this stuff. But to me, it wasn't like a shock to me because that stuff that I do every day, I would sit in my room when I was young mm-hmm. and fill out an 80 page notebook, just of poetry. I would sit on my knees like for hours all day long and finish one. And I could do it in like a day. It, I know it sounds weird. And I still have the notebooks, but I have so many ideas even right now that sometimes I have to like yeah. shut it off. Like, okay, but I don't want it to ever shut off until I'm done. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. When I'm done, it could be a thousand books. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I got a lot. <laughs> so basically you can write a book in a day. Yeah, I can. I have done it. I basically right now I'm, I'm in between like four or five books and and they're all different. Um, yeah, just, uh, my mind is different. But once I could tell you one thing, when I get writer's block, I start doing music. If I'm writing books that I can't think anymore, I jump into music. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm doing music and I can't think anymore, I jump into doing a film yeah. or something, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's like my gifts. And I tell people, whatever you do, just keep doing it. You're going to get better. You're going to perfect it. You're going to find different ways. Some people just do it for the money. You know, you want money at the end of the day, but I, I admire people like Dr. Dre in a sense hmm. of the business and a sense that I never really hear from Dr. Dre, but his music. And when you hear his name, it's revered and you're like, Oh wow, Dr. Dre's working on something. And it's kind of like, 
you can't even get him out the house probably, you know, for, you know, a million dollars. He'd probably still be like, ah, I'm not moving for that. But his art speaks for itself. And I was like, I always want to be kind of like that. Like they know I'm in my laboratory working on something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like to inspire people through my work. It's not just about me. I knew people would say, oh, it's oh, this is so egotistical for you to have all this stuff that you just wrote. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually a statement of, of value. When people go into your catalog, whoever you are, if we went to Beyonce, Beyonce could open up a store with just all her music. And, you know, people who are fans will go in there and be like, oh, I want to go visit Beyonce. It's a fan club. So why can't I, as an author, show my books, but they're also help books. I have people who used to call me every week and say, can you help me with a business plan? I said, mm-hmm. sure. They, they kept missing their appointments. So I just created a business plan workbook yeah. <laughs> where they could just <laughs> buy it and create their own business plan. And then by the time they're done filling it out, they have a business plan. So that's, I think of ways to do stuff like that. And it's always an idea that pops in my head. So I'm like, I just go with it. You transition from a stay-at-home dad, as you said, and I, I'm looking at one of your books right now on the cover, and it, it's like the diary of a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And so I would just love to hear how you transitioned from a stay-at-home dad to owning the bookstore, you know, in terms of the business aspect of it. How was I, that transition for you? I was scared, you know, and I reason I say I was scared, I was frightened because I had business, I had a lot of businesses that fell. When I was 18 years old, I was in college, and I t- also took a entrepreneurship class, which stuck with me. And I, you know, I was always into trying to own my business. I had a, a, a sole proprietor, Sipper First. It, it was called DDS Productions. It, it failed. Then I had another business. Yeah. When, I, when I was in college, I had another business called, uh, it was a C4J Records. When I lived in Chicago, I went to Columbia College. And uh, my major was in music and um, recording from like business. So I learned the businesses. It's just that they just kept failing. But one thing about it was when I transitioned into the Derek books, it, it was more like, OK, I want to get out of this house. because I've been in here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I want to get out the house. I don't know. I got to get out. You're so used to being at home and people who are stay at home people, they do a lot of work. They, you know, yeah. they, they're cleaning up They're You know, they're making sure they're setting the, the lunch, the dinner, the breakfast, they're picking the kids up from school. They're going yeah. to they doing all that work and then they try. So I was like, I got to transition from that to coming to a business and, and and it being brick and mortar in a time period where people are like, well, we just like uh, digital. And I'm like, well, I want to be around people that kind of pushed my position. I was like, I want to be around people. I want people to be able to come in and see my works as almost like a showcase. A lot of my customers, when they come in, we sit and talk for hours and, you know, we talk about everything from the mental health to, you know, pushing them in the right direction. And it's like, that transition was hard for me for the first six months. I was frightened. I didn't even think, I'll be honest with you. I was like, oh goodness. It's either, you know, I put everything in it and it fails because when I first opened my store, the pandemic hit the first time, the first uh, when I first yeah. got my permit for occupancy. And I was like, wow, I'm not, you know, I was like, this is crazy, but it, it really um, started to do well. And, you know, the news kept coming in and I didn't, they were just, people were sharing stuff online and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's working. Um, I didn't think, I didn't know. I just walked by faith, you know, and I was yes. just like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah. You, got, when you believe in yourself a lot of times, Results don't happen at first. You got to keep going and keep going. One thing about it is you just cannot quit because when you if you quit, you'll live with that forever. 
knowing like, man, what, what would I want to do? What am yeah. I, you know, what, what could I have done? And then it makes me happy. Like my, I didn't like my kids seeing me. And I talk about that in my book, The Diary of a Stay at Home Dad, mm-hmm. which is my, actually my latest release is the uh, stories, lessons and, and ramen noodles. And it's an honest, it's an honest portrait of 10 years of me being at home. It has journals in there that I wrote when yeah. I was very depressed or, or, you know, different things that I went through. Mm-hmm. as a parent, not, not being the breadwinner at the time, yep. struggling with money and get, you know, it's like, I was just like, all right, you know, but in my first year, you know, stepping out, I did great, you know, and I was like, oh shoot, I did it. And I didn't fail. And I've been here for four years and all, you know, I, before I have to tell you this, I have to share this with you. Before yeah. I opened my store, I had a, it was like a dream or maybe a vision that I was all over every news outlet just telling my story. Mm-hmm. It was weird, but I wasn't doing it for that reason. And since then, I just, people tell me all the time, oh, we always see you on the news. We always see you on the news. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy because that was in my vision. I'm like, yeah. you know, so that's how I transitioned. I just believed in myself. I had to teach myself how to sit in um, the store for mm-hmm. hours because I was, I wanted to get up and get out. But then I really taught myself while I was there to work, I was like, when I'm work, when I'm in here, I want people to come in and be like, oh, I saw Derek. I came in and he was working on a book or he was working on some music and it inspires people like he stayed on his post and he's working. Yeah. You know, so that's I just that's how I did it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's an amazing story because we've had so many entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs on this podcast, Derek, who basically said to me in terms of the financial aspect of setting up their business that they weren't able to get in the beginning, right? When they were just starting, they weren't yeah. able to get loans. They weren't able to get investors that it was just hard for, for black yeah. entrepreneurs to access those financing options in the same way as other people were. And so they talked about these challenges and, and the ways that they overcame them. Did you encounter yeah. any of these barriers while you were setting up your business? And what are some of the things that you think people can do, like Black creators who might be thinking of launching a business and, and are thinking, well, what do I do if I can't access you know, this type of financing or that type of money? Any advice for them? Well, my, my advice is, is, is always ways to do it. And, and I'm going to say this, set your business up, you know, they say build it and it'll come. I remember the field of dreams thing. My first year, I, I got a lot of grants. I got about, I, it was crazy. And it was the first time that I had applied for grants as a business. And I, I got over about, a, I got close to like $100,000 in grants my first year. Amazing. Yeah. And, and it was crazy because I would hear about a grant. I, I was applying, I applied for like 50, 60 grants and ended up getting like seven or eight of them, but they amounted to that much. Mm-hmm. And I just kept pushing in that area. And then, you know, of course you have issues with banks, but I learned this. Um, if you're having issues with banks, because banks is all about cash flow. And the lady at the bank was like, oh, Derek, you know, it's just all about cash flow. And I was like, okay, cool. So I, I mean, I built a relationship with her, but she would tell me stuff. But one thing I learned is that they have organizations who, who actually I'm working with right now. And they work, they work with small businesses, they work with businesses in the community and they have access to money for if you want to do loans, they have access to grants. You have to find uh, these places in the low and, and invite them. I invite, hey, come to my business. You know what I would do? I would, if I had a news clip, I would send them my news clip. Hey, they just did something to them. Oh, wow, that's great. And they will make them more 
like this person's really doing something, we can help them get secure some money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I did. And that's what I do. Like, and it's more like when people come in, sometimes customers will come in that have access. You never know who you're talking to. That's why I, regardless, I smile at everyone. I treat everyone fair. I treat everyone right. This one guy came in my store, black guy. He's like, man, I work with all white people. And they were, I was in the meeting and they were talking about your, you and your bookstore. And he was like, I've never heard people just, you know, white people talk about a black guy like this. And I was like, really? I had no clue. You know, I was like, wow, that's good. That's a good thing. And that right there opened up a door for me to get business because they wanted to they wanted to do partner with me and do business with me at their facility. So, you know, just keep putting out the best thing and, and looking for those opportunities. The SBA, they had some things going, but I would really say, you know, check your local like they have micro loans if you're trying mm-hmm. to do micro loans and they have a lot of people in your area. Don't be afraid to approach these smaller companies because they still can give loans or grants up to like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or three hundred thousand dollars, you know, yeah. and take that and, and really just learn it and, and grow your business. And, and like next week I'm going I still go to conferences next week. I'm going to a conference for exporting because I'm into exporting now and, and exporting and they actually have the people there. That I give grant money and all this that. So I'm gonna go there and shake hands. I'll probably be the only black person there, but I'm gonna go there, shake hands, smile. Yeah. I'm gonna just there. You know what I mean? And yeah. just myself, tell my and speak confident about your business. Don't be weary that you haven't made the money yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like it will come. You know, sometimes you you may scrape and struggle for a few years or whatever. You know, but once everything comes, even when you have a lot of money, you're still gonna have to do things like you know, restructure things and you're still going to have to make decisions and all this, this and that. You're still going to have those those things, but you're able just to learn um, from with the small that you have so you can do better with the great that you get. Absolutely. And so, Derek, you have a book. You have an, another one of your titles is Derek's Laws of Success. Oh, and yeah. it's a guide to being prosperous in business and life. And I just wanted you because you mentioned so many things just now, right, that are so important for entrepreneurs, like keep on learning, lifelong learning, which is also, you know, a big part of holistic wealth. And I'm sure you have lots more. But can you just tell us like a few from like these laws of success for being prosperous in business and in life? I thought that was a great segue into getting into some of this stuff. I talk about believing in yourself in the first in the first chapter, I, I talk about you are the brand. You know, learning that you're the brand. When you walk outside, you are the brand. Regardless, I'm Derek Books everywhere that I go. You know, so I represent that brand. You know, I have resilience. That's a law of being able to bounce back. You have to be able to bounce back because you're going to have times when it's horrible, you know, um, and you're going to have times where you're like, man, that didn't work. But that don't mean you failed. If it just means it didn't work, you just have to restructure it and or re-strategize and go back at it. The fire that burns, you know, I talk about keeping that fire burning. These are just my laws and that has gotten me through because the, keeping that, that fire burning, I, I, I tell people, yeah, I've gotten mad and quit for like five minutes. And then I got back and I, <laughs> that fire burnt, that fire burnt more and more and more. Yeah. You know, I got, you know, chapter that talks about preparation, success steps, you know, talking about, you know, learning how to handle the little bit that you have. Um, so that when you get more, you know how to be able to deal with that. Absolutely. Uh, no game for free. A lot of times, and I don't mean not that you don't give promo and stuff like that for most, but sometimes we don't value our work. So we just give it away for free. 
Yeah. Somebody told me this once, you know, it was a wise guy, older guy. He said, if you don't put a price on it, we won't think that it's worth anything, you know? And it's like, a lot of times we don't, we just give it away. Hey, you know, hey, I've seen people, I get on my friend, he's in the fashion industry and, and he used to just give shirt. I'm like, no, 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 I want to pay for it. Well, I don't care how much it does. Let me pay for it. You know, yeah. like, because I tell people your whole value could change if you were sitting in a place selling, if I was sitting in a place selling a t-shirt and everybody walked past, but one guy walked up to me and said, hey, I want that t-shirt. He gave me a thousand dollars. I instantly would value my t-shirt at a thousand dollars. Like, oh my God, someone just bought it for a thousand dollars. So I would raise my price and I would have raised my confidence because I'm like, hey, somebody valued it at a thousand bucks. So I'm not going to take, you know what I mean? So you have to be, you know, that person also letting you know what's the value. When I talk about sacrifice, you have to sacrifice. You definitely have to sacrifice, you know, time. Um, And I don't look at it as a bad thing. I mean, I've sat in my store for hours and before that, I've written all my life. And, and those things, sacrifice teaches you patience. It teaches you how to not be super anxious when you're in a, a room selling your stuff. Some people take the first thing that's offered to them. I learned that. And um, <laughs> as a, I did car salesman for like a week or two, and they were like, oh, we always give them the, fir- the first price we give them is usually just, you know, we just see if they're going to take it. But they, they have a number that they're going to go way down. But if you just take the first one, you know, you can't go back and forth with it. And then, I, I mean, I have a lot. The book is great. Like the book talks about I give 22 P's of building success, mm-hmm. you know, persistence, perseverance, pride, process, progress, you know, product, prep, positivity, position, promotion. There's a lot more. You know what I mean, the book is a good book to read, to position yourself no matter what you do, because a lot of times we need a reality check and we need some motivation. And a lot yeah. of my books are motivational um, in, in, in that, you know, and showing, hey, man, these are laws of success. If you keep these laws, no matter how big you get or no matter, you know, how, how you could be a billionaire, millionaire, thousandaire, you know, you can, you can grow and you can also find happiness in life because happiness and being happy and content with it is probably the most important. Yeah, absolutely, Derek. And there's so many lessons that you shared just now, which are so critical, especially for Black creators who are facing a lot more barriers than usual. And we'll have those uphill struggles, those moments of wanting to give up, those moments of wandering and second guessing, you know, am I going to make it? Are they going to take me seriously? So a lot of these lessons are so, so important. And so I just wanted to ask you too, just you know, we discussed the financial aspect of it, which is so important, especially yeah, yeah. for creators, right? Who often struggle, whether it's with music or film or books, often struggle, especially in the early days. And and so important to get the financial aspect of it right. And, you know, in my book, Holistic Wealth, I spoke about knowing and embracing your personal financial identity because it's so important as an entrepreneur to, uh, especially when you're starting out and you're building a business and you want to build that empire. And of course, when yeah, you want yeah, to, yeah. yeah, when you want to have so many different product lines or you want to have go out and export like what you're doing. And so, Derek, I know you took the personal financial identity quiz and I'd love to hear your results and what's your philosophy in terms of finances. Okay, so my my result was I'm a minimalist. 
And I laughed. I'm like, I'm a minimalist. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because you know, you know, when I thought about minimalist, minimalist, and I watch TV shows too, where they have the guy or the woman who has like, they can take one bag and just, or they can live in a small, like, tiny house. And I'm like, I can't get. I need room. Yeah, I need to be able to change the shirts every day. But one thing about me is, I guess the minimalist in me is, I won't go out and buy a T-shirt for like five hundred dollars. No. I'm thinking like, mm, I go to Walmart and grab some T-shirts, you know, and create my own T-shirts, you know, like that I can wear every single day, like for less right. than $100. So I, I I, don't really care. I'm not one of those people. And I never have been one of those people who like, oh, I got on $4,000 jeans and, and $200 shoes. Nah, 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 nah. I don't really care to buy. Now, if it's something that, you know, we all have some things that we mm-hmm. want. I'll pay for that if I, you know, I'll, I'll buy that or whatever. Yeah. But I'm not really super materialistic in the fashion of expensive, you know, like, oh, I got to hop out this, the most expensive car. I got to, mm-hmm. no, I'm more like if it drives and it's cool, it's nice. All right, cool. I drive it. So like, I wouldn't say I'm a, afraid of finances, but of course we all have those moments where, yeah, we check the bank, make sure we got everything in. I just make sure my priorities are correct. Yeah. I never want to be, financially stressed. And I know what I mean by that is I like, I was watching an um, interview once with, with, Mil, with Will Smith and I remember, I admire Will, whatever. He was saying that he has a lot of money in the bank, but he's still scared every day. Like he wakes yeah. up scared because he thinks he's going to be broke. I don't ever want to live like that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be like, you know, so I don't want to ever, that's the part of contentment and being, I don't want that fear, you know, because you could be a billionaire and live in like you can't go to sleep every night. I don't want to ever be that way. So I think people should really analyze what financial situation they want to be in. Do they want to be financially, you know, free of, I want to own everything I have. That's me. I want to own everything I have. I don't want to own anyone else. I don't, you know, of course, small, like utilities, whatever. I don't want to owe any man. I want to own all my stuff. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And, you know, that's it. You know, that's basically my definition of financial freedom. Absolutely. And you're, you're so exactly right about financial anxiety. It can hit anyone, regardless of your net worth. Celebrities suffer from financial anxiety. It's such an important topic too. And something that you mentioned that's also important is just knowing how to, to manage your finances so that, you know, you can sleep well at night. And Derek, just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you this. And it's because your work is so prolific and you have so much in terms of a body of work out there. Self-publishing can get expensive, especially if you're publishing multiple titles. How did you keep those costs down so that you could make a profit on each of your titles? So let me give you an example. If I self-publish and partner like with Amazon or something like that, first of all, I told you like only ISBN, your copyright, all that stuff like that. I would set a price. So as an author, you could get co- your author copies can be a certain price that's that's not high to you. Mm-hmm. But you set your price, and a lot of people have problems setting their own price. So when I when I went into setting prices on my books, I wrote in all of that. Like I was like, all right, so I want to make sure I make back the money that I paid for the book. Plus some, and maybe even and maybe even include tax and shipping, and what I what I value my book to be, and I will put the price on there. 
And anytime I sell a book, I make my money back over and over and over, like hand over fist, you know what I mean? Way over. And actually I was talking to a banker and he was like, he never saw that big of a profit margin on books before. And I'm like, well, you know, that that's how I wanted to change the industry. That's the gap that I saw. I said, people, I I saw people not taking books as serious. And I was like, uh, one time when somebody came in my store, they said, I don't look at your books as books. I look at them as works of art. And instantly I thought of like, you know, a lot of Basquiat and Basquiat, I don't know if I said his name, or different people that sell their art and people buy, buy it at such astronomical prices because they value the art. And I said, that's how I'm one of my books. So I, I was able to make, I'm able to make my money like in significant ways. And, and one thing I learned, and this is what I want to just inspire people out there, is that don't flinch at your price. Uh, I was reading a book about a guy when I first started my store. It was, I the name of the book. But it was a guy in Philly or somebody in Philly was selling subs or something like for a uh, hundred bucks and people laughed. But I think the place still exists to this day. People, celebrities found out people who, who like to spend a lot of money found out how much this thing, this sandwich was. And they would buy the sandwich at a hundred dollars. Wow. And I was like, that's me. I'm not going to flinch. And I and, and, and I haven't had anyone come in and say, oh, that's too high. I've had people come in when they look at my price of labor, they ask for two or three, let me get some more, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Or when a school buys books, they don't even ask for a wholesale price. They buy it at the actual price that I set. And I think it's because of my confidence in what I'm doing, you know, and I put my heart, mind, body and soul into what I'm doing. I always really am trying to help someone. So it's like you could go to McDonald's and buy something for $15, eat and it's gone out your system in a couple hours. But you go buy a book and you can have that forever as long as you keep it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such great advice for creators listening in in terms of pricing their products and profit margins and making sure that they actually benefit from their work. Yeah. Right. Which is, yeah. is huge. Thank you so much, Derek, for sharing. Thank you so much, Keisha. You are so wonderful. I read your story and everything. You are such an amazing person. I was so excited to speak to you. And you just, uh, you are very inspirational. I was on your website uh, two days in a row. I'll admit it. This lady is so inspirational. You are, wow. You are, you are, if I can say, you are a queen and you are great. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that about my story and you know, it's just amazing when you get to connect with with other creators and, you know, really inspire each other. And I'm, I'm so inspired by your work, too. And and I'm sure the listeners are inspired right now. And so before I let you go, can you tell listeners where to find you on social media, your website? Definitely. You go to my website. My bookstore is Derek Books and that's D-A-R-I-C-K books dot com. So DerekBooks.com and Derek Spears, D-A-R-I-C-K, Spears, S-P-E-A-R-S.com. And I have links to my social media on there. You know, you can just go to Derek Spears on Facebook or Derek Books. I'm all over and my Facebook is artist DDS slash artist DDS. I also have a Derek Books. Just look me up and, I, I, and send me messages. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of interesting books. Keep supporting uh, the Diary of a Stay-at-Home Dad is is a great book, you know, for anyone. Also, the Derek Laws of Success. And I have a character. I have to tell you about him. He's going to be big. He's going to be bigger than Mickey Mouse. His name is Bookworm. His name is Bookworm. And I have comic books that he's actually based off 
of me and we go into the schools and the kids love bookworm. Um, I go into schools on every Friday and even in the summer. And I talk to students who love and are inspired by bookworm um, and and education. So we're pushing bookworm. I saw (laughs) that, too. I saw that, too, on the store website. And it looks amazing. And that's so great. That work that you're doing in schools. I have three kids, so I know how important that is too as a mom and and that work is priceless that you do and and thank you so much for for that work and for joining us today Derek. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website keishablair.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify or via RSS so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not, what are you waiting for? Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks. Free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose? Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio online self-paced course. You're struggling with all your money decisions? Take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course. You recently had a breakup, job loss, or experienced the death of a loved one? Take the holistic healing course. You need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth we will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint and of course if you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth become a certified holistic wealth consultant regardless of what career you've got the institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose the sooner you join the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle and you're going to want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 32 Life Lessons to help you find purpose, prosperity, and happiness. 